Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today we've got a great interview for you. I'm really excited to be talking with Tina Forsyth. She has been working online since 1999. She describes herself as a Jill of all trades, which I love. And really, when it comes to uh, running and growing a, a profitable service-based business. She's got this nailed. Uh, she's the author of the award-winning book, The Entrepreneur's Trap, founder of the International Association of Online Business Managers, where I know they do great work. I hear nothing but good things about the, their OBM program uh, from people who've hired uh, OBMs in the past. Uh, she has created the Certified OBM Training Program, which is really the only training program of its kind for high-end virtual managers. And her mission is simple, to help growing businesses build a team and foundation that will take them to the next level. Tina Forsyth, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Thank you. Great to be here. So I, I have been looking forward to this for, uh, for quite a while now since we booked it. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to, to get into uh, some of the, the things that that you're doing, particularly around helping uh, business owners hire better. But before we get to that, I'm hoping that maybe you can give us a little bit of context beyond just what's in, in your bio so that mm -hmm. folks can kind of understand how you got to this stage in your career. Yeah, um, I would definitely, I would define my journey as a, a little bit of a following a trail of breadcrumbs experience over the years. It's actually close to 20 years since I started my business. Uh, I started back in 1999. And even at that time, I, I had no idea I was going to actually build a business. Like I didn't have any big goals. I didn't have any big plans. Uh, I just knew I didn't want to work for someone. <laughs> I guess that was like probably my main motivator. Um, and I initially thought, I initially discovered and, and went down the path of becoming a business coach at that time and took some coach training and all kinds of cool things. Um, but very quickly discovered two things. Um, number one, I had no clue how to build my business. So that was a bit of a problem. <laughs> number two, um, I actually preferred, I found myself in a situation a couple of years in where I got the opportunity to work on the back end of a really successful coach training organization, you know, multiple programs, multiple seven figure, all kinds of great things going on there. Um, I was hired to work on their team initially with some event management and a few other things that were going on. I thought I would do that until I got my coaching business going, but something actually flipped around. Um, I found that I loved being behind the scenes and I loved what it took behind the scenes, being a part of a team that would bring the vision together. And so the owner of the company had a huge vision and all kinds of amazing things going on. And there was those of us as a team behind the scenes that were, uh, you know, working and, and working together to bring that vision to life. And so I didn't know what to call it at the time. Uh, the founder of that company, unfortunately, passed away. And when that happened, I was looking around going, all right, what am I doing now? You know, I knew, I knew I didn't want to go back into doing the coaching at that time per se. Um, but I didn't know, I knew I wanted to continue doing what I've been doing. I didn't know what to call it. And so I ended up uh, calling myself an online business manager for lack of a better term. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it wasn't any big aspiration at the time. Um, and started working with other six and seven figure coaches in particular 
who were building a business online and, and working online, leveraging uh, online tools and resources and ways to connect. And as I was doing that work for many years, there was a couple of things that started happening. I would have people come to me, other business owners would be saying, hey, Tina, I need to hire somebody who does what you do. Tell me, I need to find somebody else who does what you do. Where can I find them? I didn't really have anywhere to point them because there, there weren't other OBMs out there at that time. There's a handful of us doing that work, working at that level with clients, but not a whole lot of us. Um, and likewise, too, though, I started to have some people from the other side of the coin that were saying, hey, I want to do what you're doing. I want to work at a higher level with clients. I want to do that. And so that led me in 2008 to writing a book called Becoming an Online Business Manager. We just celebrated the 10th anniversary uh, of that book and came out with a 10th anniversary edition. Um, and that was really, the book was, the book started another phase of my career that led me into creating the OBM association that you mentioned, uh, starting a training and certification program for online business managers, and starting to really work with supporting and mentoring people to become an OBM, to work with clients at that level, and then likewise working with business owners on the other side of the coin to make sure that they were finding the people, the support, uh, getting their own team in place to support the business and have continued to do variations of that now for the past 10 years. Well, you're, you're attacking a, a problem that, uh, that, that we all deal with in business. And, 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 you know, I had a, a colleague, uh, say to me years ago, he said, you know, the, the whole game of business is really about people collecting. And if you can collect the right people onto your team and collect the right clients as well, um, you can build a really great business. But if, if you don't get the people part sorted out, it's really hard to build much of anything because you, you only go as far as your own capabilities. And, and mm -hmm. uh, even for the most talented people, there are limits to that. So, um, yeah. so these, are, these are important problems to be tackling. So as you're developing all of these things, I mean, you've been doing this online since 1999. You, you wrote the, the uh, uh, online business manager book in 2008. So 10 years, which is like an eternity in internet marketing. <laughs> yes. You know, um, what, were, what were some of the ways that you kind of persevered through all of that and stayed really true to your mission and, and on track when things got difficult? It might sound funny to say, but I, I would say probably one of the main things that I've learned over the years is it's to accept that there will be difficult times. Um, I, I, I think in particular in, you know, the success industry or the business training industry, et cetera, uh, personal development world, there, there's a lot of expectation put out there that, hey, just find what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life kind of thing. Um, but that's not true. I mean, I think that's basically BS. It's like, find what you love and yeah, you're going to work pretty hard and it'll be well worth it. It'll be really good. And, and that it's not all sunshine and roses. I mean, there's, when we accept the idea that, yeah, there's going to be times that are a little challenging, then in a funny way, the expectation that that's okay <laughs> is actually a part of that or has been a part of that for me. And especially today's day and age with like 
you know, social media and everything. You know, nobody's posting the days where like, oh my goodness, this fell apart and, you know, this client disappeared or whatever happened with a team member. Like nobody's posting that stuff online on social media. You know, everybody's posting the good stuff. So it's easy to look at and think, oh my goodness, I'm the only person suffering through some of these things. You have just crushed my entire world. <laughs> I was planning on being an overnight success between now and tomorrow. And it was going to be really easy. And I was going to follow my passion and do what I love and never have to work again. And you're telling me that that's not true. Oh my God. Were you going to have like bonbons and eat them on the beach or whatever? I don't know. Why, why not? Guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, so I, by all means, like I'm all for enjoying our lives and business and so on. Cause the other side of that coin is, you know, working 24 seven. That's not healthy either. That's not a good thing either. Um, but you know, really just, it's meant to be hard at times. And I, for me too, it's also been a mix of, I thought, you know, I remember you back around the, about 10 years ago now, when I wrote my book and I started the association and the training, I thought at that moment I had it all figured out. I was like, all right, I've got it all figured out. The rest of my life is set. You know, I thought that was it. And then I came to realize that it wasn't. <laughs> Like it was a little bit, and, and partially, or in, in many ways, because of who I am. Like I'm actually, I'm more of a like starter, get things going. I'm sure others can relate to this. You know, get, get things going, create things. And then I have what I like to call about a three-year itch, where it's about every three years or so, I'm feeling like I want to create something new. And so when I ran into that after starting our certification training for our OBMs and all kinds of amazing things that were going on there, we were, I was about three years into that journey and I was honestly getting a little bored. I was like, eh, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bored with this. It's all good. I'm getting a little bored with it. And then I felt guilty about feeling bored. Like, Oh, how dare you feel bored? you know, this is amazing and all these wonderful things. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine one day and she's like, you're a problem solver. Like you just need a new problem to solve. And that really hit home for me. That's what led me to writing my second book, The Entrepreneur's Trap, which was digging more into helping business owners get the systems, the team, the structure, all of those things in place so that they can create a business that can run without them. Um, and it's, so it's, it's also been recognizing myself, my own strengths within my business has been a part of that. Um, when I find myself thinking that I should be something or should be happy with something that I'm not happy with, that becomes a roadblock for me. That becomes something that really starts to get in the way. You know, I've heard people describe building a, a company as, as, really building a, a product, um, mm -hmm. which is, I think it's an interesting frame to, to kind of look at, at this idea of building a business is that that's really the, the business itself is the product. And, and if you do that, it, it sort of allows you to step back and, and kind of look down on, you know, from above at, at this product that you're building, um, which I, in service businesses is hard to do because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the times, you know, you sort of view yourself as the business owner, the the number one investor, the product itself, and the production line all in one, right? And yeah. probably the sales force too. It's difficult to to sometimes separate, but 
you know, I, I know I can relate to what you just described and kind of, you know, feeling like, okay, I've created this part of this business. It's time to move on and, and do something else. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I tend to be wired that way. And the way that I've kind of realized, um, or, or that I've, I've kind of recognized that I, I can deal with that is, is to look at my strengths, which are mm-hmm. kind of coming up with ideas and starting things. I think you would probably relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making sure that they work in the market, selling them, and then having a team in place that's really, really good at the stuff that I'm not very good at, which is taking that idea turning it into systems, turning it into process, delivering on it consistently, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to, to realize I don't have to do all that stuff. And, and frankly, <laughs> I shouldn't, you know, yeah. no, nobody yeah. wants to pay for me doing that because I'm not very good at it, but I can go find some really great people who are excellent at it way better than I ever would be serve our clients way better. And, and so I, I think that approach is, is important. And, um, and I know a lot of the work that you're doing really is trying to get entrepreneurs to, to that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has that played out in, in your own businesses? There's, there was a bit of an identity crisis the first time that really came up for me. So when I was, when I shifted from being an OBM and working directly with my clients and they were hiring me, uh, to, shifting my model fully to a training and coaching business model. Um, at that point is when I started bringing on my own team. And, and I think especially too with, with service providers, like the first stage of our business usually is just us doing our thing. You know, it might be a few years, it might be months, it might be however long it is. It's, it's like us doing our thing. And then when the business starts to become bigger than us <clears throat> and we start to need to bring in team members, the part that I did, you know, it was, it was actually funny. My coach at the time when I was in that, in that space in my business, it was my coach who looked at me. He's like, uh, Tina, you need to hire your own OBM. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're right. I do. Like, I wasn't even seeing it for myself. And so I had some great team members come on, and including a person who really played that management role who was working with me to run the day-to-day and working with me to grow the business, uh, we were about six months into working together. And I had what I call an identity crisis in all of that too, because here it, it basically was like, okay, if everybody, everybody else is taking care of this and that and that and this and all these things are going really well, then what am I supposed to be doing here? Like I was so identified with being the doer and being the one in the day-to-day and being the one that clients would come to and that team members would come to and like being in the thick of everything that when that wasn't true anymore, I really had a moment of like, yikes, you know, and that's really when we step into the CEO space at that point. I mean, we can either step into it or we can step backwards into being the doer. You know, it's one way or the other with that. But that was a really pivotal moment for me because I, I remember talking with my coach at the time too, and it was a very... I could very much feel how it would have been so easy to slide back in and be like, let me take this and let me take that. And I'm going to jump in here again. And, you know, who knows what kind of trouble I would have been causing Um, and probably sabotaging my team and all kinds of things versus like, no, wait a minute. I need to redefine who I am in this business now and what I am bringing to the table and what that role actually looks like 
moving forward? I think those are those are really critical questions to, to be asking, and it's I, I think it's hard for uh, most of us to to ask those questions um, of ourselves, or at least know when we should be asking them. Um, mm-hmm. Until you get to that point that you do it. Once you do it, then you go, okay, well, now I this is pretty good. I need to reevaluate this maybe you know twice a year or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think getting to that that first instance of of kind of having that conversation with yourself and giving yourself permission to do it is, um, I think that's a little bit of a hurdle to get over. I mean, particularly when we're starting out, because as you say, you're trying to do everything and, um, you, you almost feel a little bit guilty when you say, well, wait a second. No, I'm not going to do everything anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a little, you know, I, I know for myself that I was very much raised with that blue collar mentality. Like you work hard, and good things will happen. So it was all about like getting in there and working hard and to make that shift and, and to continue. Like I had a mentor say to me years ago, you know, she said every level of success requires letting go of something else. I was like, Ooh, okay. And I've really found that to be true. Like, you know, first we let go of the doing and we let go of the managing, you know, and then there's like various things that we continue to let go of to whatever level we want to be growing our businesses to. Um, it's actually not more work to be done per se. It's more letting go and leading. Yeah, that's the only way I think it works because, I mean, for most people running a business, you can't do any more work. Mm-mm. There are no more hours. There's no more energy. Um, uh, you know, and, and this whole thing that's out there now of, of hustle and, you know, no sleep and, you know, pull Mm. these long hours. Um, I I don't find that to be that productive or, or to really create much of, of anything useful. So, um, you know, I, I do think there, there's a strong case to be made that, that to really deliver quality, um, to your clients, deliver high value. Uh, it is about simplifying and doing less. And, uh, and so I, I want to, I want to pause here for a second. I want to come back, Tina, and I want to talk about how to take these ideas that, hey, you need to step back, you need to begin building a team. And I want to talk specifically about hiring and finding that team because I know that um, that you're very good at that. And I know for everybody listening, that that's something that they're struggling with right now. So if you're listening, we're going to be right back with more from Tina Forsyth. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back. This is Steve Gordon and I'm talking with Tina Forsyth. And Tina, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about now if, you know, as a, an entrepreneur, I've decided, okay, it's time for me to give some things up, to, to let go, as you were saying. How do I find the people who, when I let go, will catch it? You know, how, how will, how will I build that team? It's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Yeah. So the good news these days is 
there's a ton of people out there to be hired. Um, and, you know, it's like, especially with the, the, with social media and internet and all kinds of things, like we're ridiculously connected these days. Um, there's, I think even back to like 10, 15 years ago when I was starting to do some things and starting to work with people, with clients, with their team or in my own business, uh, it was different then. It was just that idea of like, where do I find people? That part's actually not hard anymore. One of the, there's a couple of things I want to um, give everybody today to help sort of ease the hiring process. Um, first and foremost, to recognize that there's two different mindsets of people that you can hire. And I'm speaking in particular around hiring outsourced support. So, you know, I do a lot of work with people who are hiring to say, Everything from like their first virtual assistant through to online business managers through to like sales support or marketing support, all kinds of things. Um, it can apply when you're hiring a outsourced professional of sorts to work with you through to employees. I mean, the same thing can apply here as well, too. But basically, you're going to run into two different mindsets out there with the people that you're looking to hire. And it's important to know which mindset you're looking for when you're actually bringing a person on board. So people are either going to show up with what I call an employee mindset, or they're going to show up with an expert mindset. And so an employee mindset is someone who, um, they wanna do great work, they really wanna help, they really wanna serve, and they're coming from the place of, just tell me what you need me to do. So they're wanting to help, they're wanting to do the work, they can do great work, you know, maybe not all of them, but let's assume <laughs> they can do great work. Uh, but you need to tell them what to do. You need to tell this person what to do. And, you know, I call that an employee mindset in the sense that it is often an old habit of theirs from being an employee in some fashion that they've just never gone beyond in their own business journey yet. Or you can hire somebody who's bringing an expert mindset. So someone with an expert mindset they know what, they, what their expertise is. They know what they can help people with. They know the deliverables, the results, the impact they can make for a client. Uh, and they're going to show up and lead the business owner in that work. So let's say, for example, hiring an OBM. I'll use that as an example. Um, you know, an online business manager, they should be able to plug into what's going on in the business and say, great, here's what we need to do. They're telling you what needs to be done. You're not having to tell them what needs to be done. Um, a lot of times, you know, this, this is the, I have a new book I'm writing. It's going to be really based on this topic and around this piece in particular. We live in a world now where it's ridiculously easy to start a business, which on one hand is a great thing, <laughs> but then on the other hand brings up all kinds of challenges. Um, one of which is, unless if we're going to go to business school, we really don't know everything we need to know to run our companies. Like there's a lot, a lot of stuff to know out there. There's a lot of things that are going on and a lot of aspects of business that we may or may not have the time, energy, or inclination to get into and know and understand, but yet we need them. We need these things done in our business. Uh, and so if we rely on the, I, I like to, you know, a little tongue in cheek, talk about the idea that delegation is dead. Because um, delegation requires that A, you know what you need that person to do, 
right? Like, you know how to do it, you know enough to give them the instructions and so on, and to tell them what to do, um, which isn't always true for a lot of business owners that I work with. Uh, and B, it also, it also assumes that you have the time to delegate and manage and, and, and feed things to people that way. Uh, one of the bigger frustrations I will hear from you know, clients or colleagues or any conversations with business owners is, small business owners in particular, of course, is when they're saying, you know what, I found this great person. I just think they're amazing. We had a great conversation. But you know what, I don't know what to give them. So they're sitting there waiting for me to give them things, but I don't know what to give them. So nothing's getting done. And like, I'm frustrated and they're frustrated and, and et cetera. That's when you've hired somebody who brings that employee mindset to the table, that's exactly what happens. They're going to sit back and be told what to do. If you hire somebody who's going to be able to plug in to what's going on, they, it actually will take the, the weight off your shoulders of having to like, I got to figure out what this person's going to do and tell them how to do it and when and how kind of thing. Like I'm really challenging people on the side of the coin of who you are hiring. You know, this comes out in our OBM community. It comes out in other communities as well, that they need to be showing up as the experts and to be able to plug in at that level. Um, if they're showing up as the employee, it actually ends up putting more work on your plate in a strange way. And I think that becomes a lot of frustration for a lot of business owners. Yeah, it, it absolutely does put more work on your plate. Um, I, I've experienced both, uh, both of those. And, um, you know, while, while you can work with someone who has more of that employee mindset, it, it takes some, some effort to kind of figure out how to continue to direct them. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this long enough to, I've, I sort of had a, a pre-internet, pre-virtual employee mm -hmm. uh, business where we had at one point up to almost 50 employees uh, and, you know, all kind of located with us and very, very kind of a traditional uh, business structure. And now I've got a, a business that's 100% virtual where, you know, mm -hmm. our team, some of them are employees, some of them are contractors, but they're spread all over the place, literally all over the world. And, um, I, you know, while we've overcome a lot of the challenges of not being in the same place, it's easier to do that when you've got somebody that comes with, with what you're calling the expert mindset, because yeah. they tend to take ownership and figure things out. Yeah. And when you have somebody that has that employee mindset, boy, is it nice to be able to walk over to the desk and, you know, look, you know, stand over their shoulder and tell them what to do and, and how to do it. It's, it becomes more difficult when you're not in the same place. And I, I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated with that, you know, with working with somebody virtually and where it doesn't work mm -hmm. out very well. Well, and, it, and there's absolutely a time when we, when we want somebody with that employee mindset. Like if we have a lot of really solid systems and processes and, you know, this is exactly what needs to be done and how and when, then to plug somebody in with that mindset, that's great. That's great because the systems are there and the processes are there and that's all laid out really clearly. Um, major, but that's not, that usually comes a little further down the road. Like it depends a bit on where the business is at as well too. And I think especially when we're looking for people that are going to operate at a higher level in the business with us, 
like somebody who's going to plug in, say, from a marketing perspective or social media or, you know, OBM or project management or whatever level of support we're looking at in the company. Um, we want, I mean, you know, I want people showing up with their expertise. I don't have the time, energy, or inclination to train someone from scratch <laughs> to do whatever needs to be done in the business. Um, and so I want them showing up ready with that. And so there are people out there, absolutely, that have that expertise, but not everyone. But not everyone. So it's, it's part of that hiring process is knowing, do I need somebody in the role who's going to have an employee mindset or an expert mindset? I'm making that determination up front. And then making sure as you're going through the hiring process uh, that, that you're very clear and purposeful to find a person that comes in on either side of those coins or either side of that coin. Yeah, absolutely. No, kind of knowing what you're getting into is important uh, and knowing how you're going to use them. Um, and I, I think that insight of, of, uh, that you shared of, of really thinking about where you are in the business is important. Um, earlier in the growth of a business, I think you tend to want people that, that come with the expert mindset simply because mm-hmm. they're probably going to be more adaptable. And at that stage of a business, everybody does a lot of things. Yes. And yeah. you don't have time to hold hands. You need people who can come in and, uh, and be resourceful. I and mean, that's one of my favorite words in, in hiring is, is resourceful because yeah. you want people that can come in and, and, and go and, and, uh, you know, find the resources that they need mm-hmm. to be successful, you know, whether that's going and finding information, figuring out how to do something, you know, reaching out to, to people who, who can help them without you having to, to direct it. I think that's really, really important. I, that, that may be the, that, that little piece of what you've shared here may be the most important thing for folks listening, because that's a big distinction. Um, and it's, it's something to like the, like you said, I mean, I want, I want to bring anybody who's coming. I run a pretty lean team. I mean, this is the other side of things too, by nature of the internet and all the tools we have available these days and so on. Um, you know, it's not like we have to have huge teams anymore in our businesses. We might run a relatively lean team. Like I have a pretty lean team. There's three of us on my team. And, and exactly like you said, Steve, like, every, you know, there's a measure of everybody jumping into different things in different ways that comes into play. Um, but also too, it's like, I need people on my team that can plug into what's going on and like, keep up with me. You know, if I'm having to like, go back, explain, come along, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's just not going to work. That's just not going to work for me. It starts to really, and then that's where there are problems. Like when I have had problems with team members over the years, and I know especially this with clients and such I've worked with as well in regards to their team, you know, anytime they have somebody sitting back and waiting to be told what to do, like, no, that's not the way this works anymore. That's not the way it works anymore. I have a really simple tip I want to share too from a hiring perspective um, around being able to determine this mindset, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, when the hiring, the flow of the hiring process, um, it really is, you're, you're looking to see how they respond in the sense of I can, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody, here's the role we're looking to fill, here's what we're looking for that person to do, et cetera, laying that out. Um, really clearly with somebody. And they're either going to respond one of two ways. They're either going to respond saying, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love it. You know, just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it for you. 
or they're going to respond and say, this is great. I love it. All right, here's what we're going to start with. Here's what we're going to do. I want to see that person showing, I want to, I want to see and feel that person taking the reins right in that initial conversation when I'm talking with them. Um, I want to, I, and I call that the sigh of relief moment when you can literally feel like, oh, this person gets it. Like, I want to feel a sigh of relief in that very first conversation that it's like, okay, they're going to jump in. You know, they're asking the right questions or laying things out. They're just, you can feel they're coming in to take things over or to take things off our plate in, or the business's plate in whatever way, shape or form we need it. Whenever somebody says, how can I help you? That's a red flag to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're they're looking for direction rather than taking mm -hmm. initiative. Mm -hmm. So, for a, a business owner who's listening to this, how do they how do they get themselves kind of organized to be able to go out and and hire effectively? I've I've always found that you know if if I kind of get get clear on my intentions for what I'm looking for and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get as clear as I possibly can, it, it, that tends to help. What advice do you have for somebody who is, is looking at this and maybe they haven't hired a lot of people in the past or they have, and it hasn't been successful. How can they begin to get some, some clarity around what they want and, and then how to go find it? Yeah. Um, an exercise I always will have my clients do. It's a pretty straightforward exercise. Uh, I call it a taking inventory exercise. So, I mean, let's say, for example, if somebody hasn't hired anyone yet, if it's just them at this moment. And again, this could apply even if you have various people. It can apply at any time. <laughs> You're looking to bring somebody on board. A taking inventory exercise is just spending for about a week or so making a list of all the things that are on our plate, like making a list of all the things we're doing, making a list of all the things that are on our plate that we're not getting to for whatever reason, making a list of things that maybe we would like to do someday, but, but we don't have the time or energy or expertise to get these things done. And I, I, my recommendation for hiring is always to get the, you know, are you familiar with the, um, in Gay Hendricks's book, The Big Leap, where he talks about the zones, he has the zones of competence, incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Yes. Is what he talks about. Uh, I really like looking at the hiring flow through that lens. So there's a lot of things, like especially if we're the only ones in our business to begin with. There's a ton of things we're spending time on that fits into zone of competence. And zone of competence is like, I can do this thing, but other people can do it just as well as I can. You know, like for me, like I can do it, you know, I can geek out on some tech. I can whatever, you know, I could send out a broadcast or I, there's all kinds of things like that. Like I could do all those things. Um, and to a degree, can actually enjoy doing some of those things. Um, but other people can do them just as well as I can. Like, there's nothing in that that's like zone of genius or zone of excellence for me to be doing that stuff. And so those are the kinds of things that need to be coming off our plate first. And then even as we start to, if let's say we're at the space of, okay, I've got a lot of zone of competence off my plate. That's where we're starting to tap into even some of the zone of excellence things, which can be more challenging. Um, I love the way that, that he talks about it in the book, that our zone of excellence, those are the activities that 
we're really, really great at. They're the things that other people want from us. And that's usually the space where we end up making a lot of money too, is zone of excellence activities. Um, and so in, in a way they can become almost like, what's the word, like almost seductive, or it can almost be a bit of a trap to find ourselves still doing a lot of things, like maybe client facing work. If someone has an agency and they, they're building out a team to serve their clients and they themselves are still doing a lot of client facing work because their clients want them to do it and they think they have to do it and all of that kind of stuff. It's a little bit starting to question like, okay, really? You know, do I actually have to be the one to keep doing this stuff? You know, maybe not, maybe not. Um, there's a lot of things that can, uh, when the, as the business grows and as the business needs it and as the budget allows for it, there's pretty much most anything that can be coming off our plates along the way if we wanted to. Yeah. And I think there's, there's even another filter there. I mean, it's not just, um, you know, where does it fall in, on, on sort of the, the continuum of comp competence, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for those skills. Um, but there may be things that are within your zone of genius, but certain applications of it that don't really add a whole lot of value. So yeah. um, great example of that we used to produce, I, I used to produce a daily email to our list and I would write it. And for a while I, you know, I set up the broadcast and all that. And I, you know, first thing I did was get the broadcast off my plate. And then, you know, we went for another couple of years and then I realized, wow, the the copywriting part of that was within my zone of genius. It wasn't adding enough value for me to continue doing it. Mm, and, yeah. um, you know, and so now, for example, when we put these podcasts out, um, you know, we've got a writer that, that, um, you know, I've worked with now for um, a, a good long while. And, and he's the one that, that writes the things that go in the email. Um, and so, there are ways to get that stuff that you think, well, it really needs to be me. And, um, and I think you have to question, is it really yeah. adding enough value for you to, to invest your time in it? Are you going to get a return on that investment of, of time and energy? Um, and yeah. they're all good questions to begin asking and, and use that as kind of the blueprint for what to take off your plate. Well, and I, I've always, I've also liked the, I don't remember where I first learned this, but it was a number of years ago of knowing the top three things that we want to have on our plate. I mean, for me, it's writing, speaking, and teaching. Those are my three things. And so if I'm spending majority of my time in that, in those three spaces, that's a good flow. That's a good flow. If I'm not, then that's where we know something's off for whatever reason. Um, but even within that too, you know, it's funny that you say that too, Steve, like even within our zone of genius or zone of excellence space, um, one of the things I've started to let go of over, over the past couple of years is some of, the, some of the training and the teaching that I've been doing in the business. It was like, oh no, I have to do that. You know, that was my default thinking. I have to be the one leading these trainings. I have to be the one doing all of this. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's only true if I think it's true. <laughs> like exactly. that doesn't have to exactly. be true. And so, you know, we've made some shifts over the past year in particular, um, in particular with our OBM training that we have, you know, I have licensed trainers now and, and various things going on there where I'm actually not doing the training at all anymore on that side of the business. Yeah. Um, and it's great in this, I mean, it's great for many reasons. It's, it's also very, it's freed me up for other things. It's, you know, it's plugged other people into things that they really want to be focused on and working on. Like, 
but, but for the longest time, I just couldn't see that. I thought I had to be the one to do that. You know, we're a training company. I have to be the one to do all that then. No, not so much. You know, it's so easy to fall into that trap and, and particularly in certain service businesses, um, you know, I was listening to a, uh, a dentist a couple of days ago describe how he basically moved from seeing patients all the time to actually building a business, you know, in dentistry and, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of getting away from seeing those patients. Um, you know, and you would think there's an example of a business where the owner of the business has to be in there kind of using his hands literally. Right. Um, but there are ways that that you can get around that and then grow the business beyond just you, if that's what you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. this is, I can tell you, we could keep going and going and going on this because I think (laughs) this is such an important topic for people, but I, I know that, um, that we're about out of time. And, um, and I want folks to, to know where they can kind of get in touch with you. And, uh, and I know you've got some stuff that you want to share. So where, where should people go if they've listened to this and they say, yeah, I need, I need to get more focused on how to build my team. Yeah. Uh, Tina Forsyth.com is my main website. So that's T I N A F O R S Y T H.com. Uh, and also too, I do have a hiring, uh, um, hiring, like how to hire from the perspective of the looking for the expertise mindset, list of questions and such that I would be happy to give anyone who wants a copy of that as well, too, um, based on our conversation today. So I can, I'm gonna, I'm, the link for that would be tinaforsyth.com forward slash interview questions. Okay, great. We will, uh, we'll link to, to both the main site and, and to those questions in the show notes. So uh, folks, if you're driving and you couldn't write that down, if you're listening to podcasts like I do when you're working out and you can't write it down, that's okay. Uh, you can find all that stuff on our website at unstoppableceo.net um, and just look for the episode with Tina Forsyth. And uh, Tina, thank you so much for investing some time with me today. This has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I hope everybody listening has, uh, has, has learned a lot as well. And uh, just really grateful for you uh, being here with us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.